Hi there, I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts with the Better Events Podcast. And in this week's episode, we sit down with Kelly Reed to talk about producing large-scale sporting events, both in the U.S. and abroad. I had the pleasure of working with Kelly at the Tokyo Olympics, so we talked to her about how she got her first role at an Olympic Games, what it's like working some of these large-scale events like the Kentucky Derby, March Madness, International Volleyball, and much, much more. And she shares her advice for if you are someone, listener, who would like to get into large-scale sporting events, she shares her advice for how you can get your foot in the door. This is a fun episode, and it just gives you another angle on some of the content we've already shared about my experience at the Olympics and working in sports entertainment. So you do not want to miss this episode. Before we get into it, if you're enjoying anything that you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review or a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and much, much more. That just helps us grow this community and have other people find us and enjoy our podcast as well. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts, joined by Ian Clements, co-host Logan. How's it going today? It's going good. I'm very excited for today's interview. We're going to dive into one of my favorite things about what I do. <laughs> yes, definitely. Logan introduced us to our guest for today. So we are joined by Kelly Reed, and today we're going to be talking about producing international sporting events and all the good things that go along with that. And so I know that I'm going to learn a lot this episode, and we hope that you all are, all are as well. And so we'll just jump right into it by introducing our guest, Kelly. So Kelly Reed has been in the sports entertainment industry for over 20 years with Van Wagner for almost 17 years. During that time, Kelly has worked in college athletics, professional sports and private organizations, and then Kelly's first foray in an international event was the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, which we know we have some Olympics fans over here, especially Logan. And so um, with Kelly, she really started doing it heavily, though, in 2016 and beyond. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Anything you want to add to that lovely introduction? I mean, not really. I feel like we're going to talk a little bit about it. I've just, I've been doing this for so long. Um, and I know we want to talk about the international component today. So um, yeah, my experience goes you know far beyond that, obviously starting out. But um, some of the more fun ones are definitely the international experiences. So it's been a whirlwind probably the last six or seven years uh, with a lot of international stuff for me. So yeah. Yeah, a little bit of kind of why we asked Kelly here for our listeners. Uh, I've worked with Kelly on a number of international sporting events, and I feel like any really cool sporting event you can think of, Kelly, you've probably worked it. But I feel like I started, you know, meeting you at the Pac-12 basketball tournament in Las Vegas, and we quickly bonded uh, over my love of China and speaking Chinese and got to work with you then on the Volleyball Nations League, the VNL uh, in China and Italy. I don't know if I've really talked too much about that here on the podcast, but that's also led to like Southeast Asia Games and then the dream gig of the Tokyo Olympics. So I'm so excited to have you here just so you can share your experience. I know we're focusing internationally, but I also think your national background, like your U.S.-based background, is also quite interesting. So excited to to dive in. But my first question for you would be, like, how would you describe the kind of events that you produce 
uh, and your role in those events? Yeah, they're, they're all over the place. I mean, our events, so I've been with Van Wagner most of my professional career in, you know, sports entertainment. So, you know, when I started with the company, there were seven of us. And now we, you know, we were, we weren't Van Wagner back then. We were big screen network. And then uh, Van Wagner purchased us probably maybe about seven years ago now. So, um, so back then I was one of the original seven and now our division is probably close to 40, but we're part of the bigger company that's about 200 employees. So we've seen a ton of growth um, and our company, we're so lucky and fortunate that we have some of the, the best clients, not only they're, you know, I want to say, you know, shiny toy, you know, type of clients, but they are personality wise. We really work with some of the best people in the industry and I don't know how we've gotten so lucky, but so we do everything from, you know, most recently the NCAA March Madness, you know, both men's and the women's there, all the NCAA championships. So that includes volleyball and wrestling and I mean, even things from bowling and skiing, if you believe it. Um, but, you know, we also do all the NFL marquee events, the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, the, you know, Hall of Fame game, the international games, the Kentucky Derby, a lot of the Olympics, um, not all of them, but a, a fair amount of the summer and the winter Olympics. Um, I mean, you name it. I know I'm forgetting a ton of the big ones because I only know what I kind of focus on and work on. But um, you name the big ones and, you know, we've kind of had our hands in it somewhere along the road. So I've been so fortunate um, to be with this company from, from you know, the the start of all this and then you know kind of getting some of these events throughout the years so um my role and um i'm an, i'm an executive producer so you know that part you know basically it's everything from soup to nuts you know helping you know the creative consultation of what the event's supposed to look like um we do have a production arm so we do produce a lot of our own digital content for the video boards and ribbon boards and signage and things like that so we do the producing and the editing um but my job is to tie it all together and bring the client's vision to life um, from everything from the production to the movements and even, you know, staffing and, you know, getting the right crew in place. And then on, uh, on game day or event day, you know, show calling it. And I think, Logan, you had a previous episode that you talked a little bit about it. But um, basically, you know, doing the second to second movements and making sure everybody's where they need to go. And um, I know those of you that have seen events on TV, you know, when something's wrong, <laughs> you know, when the camera's on the wrong person or there's a missed cue or the audio isn't working. And that's all kind of under my umbrella. So um, stressful, but so much fun. So much fun. I feel like Kelly, the way I've described it and I, I, I did it cause I had to explain, I think to my grandparents, what I did. And I described it as being like the conductor, like being the show callers, like the conductor of the orchestra where you were not necessarily playing the instruments, but you were cueing everybody at the right time to play. And if someone plays the wrong time, it comes back on the, you know, usually the conductor that you have to make sure everybody plays at the right time so that it all sounds good. <laughs> yeah. You know, people have called it, sometimes they call it the puppet master too, because that's where you get to play with the fans. You know, you're the one making the fans, you know, do the, you know, whatever it's a, you know, fan camera, dance camera, the music that you play. So you get to play the puppet master a little bit with the, the fans and, you know, kind of bring up or down the energy and, and kind of get them to do stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it is such a rush. I'm not going to lie. There's there's a definite adrenaline component to it. It's, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> it seems so fun. And I've talked to Logan about this before, Kelly, or... I was the type of person who like would go to a sporting event and I wouldn't even realize that like what actually went on behind the scenes. This was also kind of prior to my involvement in the event industry. Now I can't go to any events. I just try to pick them apart the whole time. But but it just blows my mind now when I go about the components that go into producing it. And I just think it sounds like I'm sure the energy is just so contagious because there's just a ton of energy in those types of events, I'm sure. And I was curious, this is a random question, but Logan asked me this one time, and I think that you would, I would love to hear your answer. So she asked once, um, 
what's your favorite sport to watch? And I'm curious what your favorite sport to produce is. Interesting. So I don't have necessarily a favorite sport. I have some of my favorite events. Um, believe it or not, my favorite sport to watch is baseball. And I know some people can't do it. They, you know, it's just, it's, it doesn't move fast enough. I could watch it all day, every day. Um, but I'm a Cubs fan. So we're a little insane as it is. So, <laughs> but um, I do out of, so my personal clientele, like my events, you know, throughout the year, um, they, you know, they start, I mean, I have the Rose Bowl um, and then I have the NFL Pro Bowl. I have, I have my hands in a little bit of college basketball, a couple of rounds of March Madness, some conference basketball tournaments. Then I do beach volleyball, um, you know, internationally and, and uh, domestically. I have the Kentucky Derby in there, which is coming up in two weeks. Um, uh, you know, I'm hopping on the MLS All-Star Game this year, doing the Skills Challenge. I mean, so there, there's a whole gamut of things. So my personal favorites, and I've done different ones throughout the years. Those are kind of the ones I currently work on. My personal favorites are actually the Kentucky Derby and the Rose Bowl. And it's funny because I figure out what they have in common. They're the most traditional events you can imagine. So the pageantry, the tradition, the prestige of them, you know, compared to other sports and other things is just completely different. And I think that's what I like about it so much. It's just, it's kind of like hair raising. Um, and the Kentucky Derby, it's not a ball sport. You know what I mean? You have to watch where the horses are on the track and what's going on in order to move not necessarily watching a clock. So it's a totally different kind of producing. Um, long, long days. People think the Derby is one race. It is not. It is one of uh, 14 um, wow. during that day only. Um, and we do five other race days that week. But um, yeah, those are my favorite. I think just the tradition and the the grandeur and the pageantry of them is just, you know, one of my favorite things because it's just, you don't see it so much anymore. Everybody's trying to get new and techie and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, these ones have kind of stayed the same. Yeah, it's been very cool. That's so interesting. I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, and so horse racing obviously is mm, – so that is really cool. <laughs> My mind is, like, blowing again. This whole topic is so interesting. So thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to a derby? If not, it should be a bucket lister for everybody listening, by the way. Yes. Everybody's got to go. I went once when I was little, but so I got to go as an adult so I can actually remember it. <laughs> I want to go just for the fabulous hats, right? Yeah. I might yeah. be the right derby, the whole – and I know it's, like, the whole outfit, but – the hats in particular. Uh, save, save your money because I will tell you that's probably one of the most expensive parts of going to the Derby is your outfit and your hat for sure. I think Kelly, I'm going to cross my fingers. China opens back up again so I can just get my outfit made in the tailor market in China and then I will wear it to the Derby. <laughs> there you go. That's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. It used to be the way to get all my fancy clothes made. <laughs> yeah, um, see? Very smart. I, I feel like you're listing so many cool events that again, as like listeners, people are, you know, I, when I share that I'd gone to the Olympics, people are like, how? I'm like, it's not like you snap your fingers and you found a job that was at the Olympics. So how did you first get started um, in, in show calling and even if it was like producing or being an associate producer before you worked your way up to um, executive producer, where, where did it all start? Well, I will tell you just to step back real quick on, you know, the fact that you and I were in Tokyo together. Um, and for the people that don't know, you know, when I met Logan, I think I met Logan and 24 hours later, I was booking her a flight to China. And I was like, you speak Chinese, you know what you're doing, you're organized and you're independent, you're coming with me to China. And I think we booked a flight, right? Like a woman, like 24 hours of meeting each other. We did. It was very that. surreal and amazing, but very quick. <laughs> when you find good people, you kind of tend to want to grab them and keep them. So, you know. <laughs> Um, gosh, I got started. I mean, it was one of the craziest things. And I get asked this question a lot because I, I do a lot of professional development calls 
with people coming up in the industry or in grad school and their referrals. And, and I love doing that because um, it is hard to kind of navigate your way through. It's not a traditional industry. Um, and I had a very um, lucky, strange way of, of getting in. I, I moved out to California to, to go to grad school. Um, and I, at the time, there was only about 10, you know, um, uh, graduate programs in sports. This is, you know, 22 years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, so there weren't that many programs. And I was like, I'm going to go as far away from Chicago as I can. I'll be back in two years, you know, still never been back, but to live. But um, but so I was I literally went to San Diego State and I had been uh, in California for about a week. And me and my three roommates um, were on a shuttle bus to the over the line tournament which is basically a wiffle ball tournament in the sand. It's, you know, it's a, it's a day out, you know, cocktailing, you know, soft, you know, wiffle ball. And somebody screamed my name on the shuttle bus. And I had never been to California before I moved there. Like, who knows my name? Like, what did I do last night? Like, I started to get all, you know, all worried. It ended up being somebody that I worked with in the University of Illinois athletic department. That's where I went to college. So um, he was the volleyball manager for the team. And we knew each other from Illinois. He happened to be there working in the athletic department. And I told him I wanted to get into sports, but I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. I didn't even know sports entertainment was an industry. I had no idea. Um, and within a week, I had an interview and a job. I mean, albeit a volunteer job in the athletic department. And I think three weeks later, um, the marketing director there, um, and I'll give him a shout out, Steve Schnall, who I believe is still there, one of the most amazing people, um, threw me up into the, the press box. He produced the first half of the first football game and said, the season's yours. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no clue what, I mean, it was the most surreal, like nerve wracking thing. And that's how I got my start. I did not even know that was a profession or it existed and fell in love with it. I did the football, the basketball and the baseball season. Um, you know, went to UCLA the year after that to work in their athletic department, doing similar things for different sports. Um, and that's where I met my current company or the, the you know, my current um, bosses of my company. Um, I was up there as a kind of a marketing assistant playing the music. I was the DJ. <laughs> and I was up in the control room with them and, you know, watching how they did everything. And I, you know, they loved my ideas and, and energy. And about two and a half years later, after a couple of other jobs, um, they called me to come down and work for them. At the time I was up in Fresno, I was the director of entertainment for the AAA team up there. And they called me and I said, I will come down after the season's over. And I've been working with them ever since. So my, my, you know, stepping into the industry was very different than most people. Um, Cause I just got weirdly lucky <laughs> without any experience. So, um, but for most people these days, I would absolutely say, and a lot of things I said, it, it's experience and it's who you know. I mean, if you're going to get into the entertainment part of it, right? The educational part, I, I to me, I, I still think there's very few classes on sports entertainment or how to show call a game or how to write or run a show or how to pull in sponsorship elements or things like that into your show and integrate things. I don't, I don't think there's too many like classes and things you can take. Um, again, I haven't looked super hard, but I, I just kind of know that in this industry, it's your experience and who you know is probably the most important. Um, just because with this this industry, you learn by doing. You learn by making mistakes and trying new things and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And hopefully what doesn't work isn't too bad. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, it's a lot about just, you know, getting all the experience you can, taking every opportunity you can take, whether it's you know, being a, a runner at a, you know, at an event, you know, the, a huge event just to meet people or get experience what it's like behind the scenes um, and just taking advantage of everything that you can. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy, but it is so much fun.
I mean, I would never change it for the world. I'm going to say we have a colleague who talks about being in the room where it happens when it's about working events, like just the the power of being able to see them no matter what your role is it, to, to network, like you were just saying, meet people, but then also just to see it is super, super valuable. So I think that's great advice for someone who wants to maybe dive a little bit more into the sports entertainment niche. Um, and then something else that I was curious about for the roles that you've worked in, what's like the the challenging part i mean obviously there's probably tons of challenges in the sports entertainment industry but i'm thinking like let's say there's a listener and they're already involved in the event industry but they want to kind of dip their toes more into sports entertainment specifically they understand the the pros and cons of being in the event industry and the stresses that come with that so with that in mind what would you say is something that's like for this niche specifically these are some of your main challenges for for working and producing these events That's a really great question that sometimes I think maybe I've been in the industry too long that I, you know, I try not to let too many things bother me. I think um, the most, one of the most, I don't know if it's challenging, but I think one of the most frustrating things doing what I do, because I, we have clients, I am not the client, um, is just kind of the organization and the communication. And it's, it's so interesting when clients are throwing things at you left and right and keeping it all organized and keeping their vision, but also keeping your brain intact with what's going on, especially if you're in a live event. Um, Because a lot of times they don't understand, okay, you can't talk on this headset because I'm directing introductions and I'm on TV right now. So please don't, you know, talk to somebody else about, you know, the the t-shirt giveaway that's happening three timeouts later. So, you know, there's there's kind of just managing the the thousands of voices in your head, but I think it's the, the communication and the organization depending on who you're working with, that, you know, can be the most challenging. I think, you know, to me, I think I'm a pretty organized person. So I like to have things done early and, you know, whatever. And that allows me to change it all up and do the fly and fly by the seat of my pants. So if I have, you know, all the the prep work done, and I tell this to people, the 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 high of this, of this uh, industry and what I, what I personally do as a producer, the high is game day, right? That is the most fun that is the most adrenaline that is, you know, when things come together and you play the puppet master, right? It just, there's, you're never going to forget those moments. And I, I know that I have, uh, you know, a specific few for sure. But what I tell people is that's that's 10% of your job, right? That's the reward you get for the 90% that you should be putting in beforehand. So, you know, and I think sometimes people don't realize that challenge. They just want to sit in the chair and, you know, kind of have that fun. And um, the hard part is the 90% and it's the prepping and nobody understands, you know, they're like, you're working a football game on Sunday. Why are you on site for seven days? Like, like you were saying, a lot of people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes, all the work it takes to get pulled together. So it's just the communication and organization. It's, it's what we're doing isn't rocket science, but you have to be, you know, organized and, you know, deadline oriented and, and figure it out. And that way, once, once you do and you get that confidence, you're, you're, you're going to be able to have a lot more fun. And that's, that's my style of producing. I don't like to look at a script and, and just go line by line. I say, Ooh, where can we have fun and what can we switch around? And I might get yelled at for this, but let's try it, you know? And, um, but that's me, you know, not everybody loves that. Not all the clients love that, but, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of my style. So, and it's a good question. I don't know if I, I answered it, but, um, no, I, think you know, I, I did. Think, yeah. Yeah. And I think different producers have different challenges, you know, like, you know, totally. some of my challenges and my, my style is very different than other problems other people have too. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting role too because you are kind of in the middle of a lot of different stakeholders. I know you have you have one client, but that client mm-hmm. then has a bunch of different stakeholders or subgroups that mm-hmm. you know sponsors, partners want one thing, fans want one thing, or is the you know more recent 
sports experience we had together for uh, for basketball. I was working with the bands, the marching bands for the schools want one thing, and the you know the spirit squads want one thing, and you know the players want one thing. So just kind of like trying to like meld everyone's interests, and then the fans, you know, and making sure that you're keeping everybody on track. I just think it's it's a very fun spot to be in but you're so right with i feel like the amount of work that goes into putting on a really good show and one of our most popular episodes we've done for this it's funny is all about why you always need to have a run a show no matter if you have you're doing a you know a singular like one hour webinar with a handful of people to you know a full live scale production and how just how useful that is because you've done all the work ahead of time so that when you're there you all know what's happening when and like you said you can inject that like fun into it you know it's really funny and I don't know if everybody has them, but I know a lot of people have those recurring work nightmares, you know, or it's like a recurring nightmare, like, you know, something like you never make your final in, in college or whatever. My recurring nightmare is literally just that, that an event is starting and normally it's basketball. I don't know why. Um, and I haven't done the run of show and I'm panicking and the game has started and nobody knows what they're doing. And I'm literally running at, at full speed, trying to like find a printer to like print them out or somewhere I can do it and I can't find the control room. So I can't give the run of shows to everybody. That is my recurring nightmare. Oh my gosh. I wake up in such panic and like, you know, thank God that it is, you know, just a dream. But I mean, it, <laughs> maybe that is my biggest fear. I don't know. I'm having a visceral reaction. Like I'm pretty sure I just started sweating at your dream. Because <laughs> that is so stressful. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that that's my recurring work nightmare. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. One of the questions I feel like I get all the time um, from, I know you've, you've, we were talked about international and you've done a lot of stuff domestically too, but everyone wants to know how you first get involved with the Olympics. Cause I feel like that's kind of the pinnacle, even if you're not a sports person as an event person. Um, and so can you just describe how you landed your first role at the Olympic games? My first one, second one were very, my first one was just because I worked for Van Wagner. We were at the time we were big screen network and a big screen network was the hired production company and the and the um, uh, staffing for uh, the Vancouver Olympics. So basically everybody in our company played a role. Um, and what I did, I went there, I was actually the uh, director slash technical director. It was a much easier show back then. And the Olympics aren't complicated because they're very conservative, right? You can only have so much fun, although Logan, you and I seem to have a little bit more fun than I think the IOCs would like us to, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so that one, it was just by nature, they hired our company. Um, and so I did the um, figure skating and short track speed skating venue at um, in Vancouver, which was amazing. My sister was a, a figure skater. Um, and so I think I was one of the only ones that, because the rest of them were boys. They didn't really have interest in, you know, figure skating. So it was a great venue for me. Um, and my first experience, and but I wasn't a producer at, at those Olympics. I was a producer, but that's not the role I played there. Then my next Olympics was Rio 2016. And that was really because um, my, my previous, whatever it was, 10 or so years with Van Wagner, um, I was kind of put on every volleyball event you can imagine. I played it growing up, um, you know, all through high school and, you know, always, you know, one of my favorite sports. And one of the first events I was on was the NSA Women's Volleyball Championships um, that we had. So I produced that. Then I got put on um, the AVP Beach Volleyball Tour. So I've been producing that off and on since uh, 2006. Um, and then they did, I did some of the men's NCAA, um, you know, national championships. So whenever they needed a volleyball producer. And so the executive producer of the Olympics, uh, who coincidentally works for Van Wagner now, but she didn't at the time, 
she kept asking about, I need a volleyball producer. And apparently my name just kept coming up with everybody that she asked. So I think somehow I was producing more volleyball events in the country than anybody else. I don't know. <laughs> and it was funny because the um, uh, main person at uh, the FIVB, the International Volleyball Federation, um, he, he wanted nothing to do with me. He didn't know who I was. I was an American, you know, there was, he's Italian and he played, you know, in the Olympics and didn't know me from a hole in the wall. And how am I going to get my vision across with these people? And, um, by the end of the Olympics, you know, we're still working with them. And six years later, by the end of the Olympics, we had such a great partnership of vision. It was one of the most successful, um, events in the Olympics because it was, we kind of pushed the boundaries of sports entertainment in just what we did with our music and our MCs and the lighting in the venue, we did things other other sports weren't allowed to do. Um, and so by nature of that, we created a great relationship with the International um, Volleyball Federation. And, you know, so for them now, we do the, the VNL, which Logan does, helps out with, and that's the indoor league, um, the Beach World Championships, the World Championships are this year. We've done a lot of events for them. So that's what's really put me all over the world is working with them. And then because I have that relationship with them, they pulled me as the venue producer for Tokyo this past summer. Um, so I get to hire the indoor and the beach staff um, for that, you know, including, you know, the, the talent and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, as Logan can attest, it was a little different because we had no fans. Um, so our, our job was a little different, um, but um, it was still the Olympics, you know, and it's still something that's that's pretty special. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I'm just, I'm glad there's fans back, you know, internationally and, and domestically, but, um, yeah, the, the international thing is it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's very different than anything in North America. Um, you really have to learn and manage your expectations and you realize how lucky we are here to have the technological resources that we have, to have the experienced people that we have, to have the TV broadcast that we have to put on these events. You really spend a lot of time overseas and realize how much of a pinnacle we are. Um, you know, North America is in sports entertainment and, you know, they all know the NBA and they all know the Super Bowl and they all, you know, kind of watch our marquee events. Um, and then you go over there and you realize they don't have headsets. We're doing airplane signals to cue people. And, um, you know, they don't have the, the machine to put a score up or a clock up. And now it's, it's just it's a whole different world that you just kind of have to re readjust your mind to. At least that's my experience in, in volleyball, because you're going to some of these countries you know, and it could be Turkey and Bulgaria and, you know, some of these that just don't have the resources and and, and the language barrier. There's always that. Um, but um, thank you, Logan, for China. But, um, you know, it, it, it's different, but it, it's such a great experience and it builds all that knowledge and it humbles you. It humbles you so much. Um, and just, you know, what we have here and then working with other people around the world and just you know, that's been the best part of it is all the people that I've met and just learning culturally and all the, all the knowledge that I've learned, you know, personally, professionally, um, just kind of been amazing. And if, that's another thing. If, if anybody has any opportunity to even be a bag carrier for somebody to some international event, take it because um, it's it's just a whole different world and, and just amazing, really amazing. I'm very fortunate to have been able to do this for probably about the last six or seven years for sure. Yeah, random fun fact, Mary's husband, who's also named Logan, is a professional skimboarder. And so I have to ask, have you ever done sports presentation for international <laughs> skimboarding, Kelly? No, I have not. <laughs> yeah. But Very weird. Them, I mean. <laughs> uh, maybe. I, all my ears out now. We're trying to get it, and it is an international sport. And, you know, I'm going to keep my ears out for you and this happened. <laughs> that it's would not be fun. Olympic sport, though, right? 
No, it's not. But it happens Maybe in like pavilions, day. pavilions in, in Europe and stuff. In like the middle of town, they'll oh. build a skimboarding facility. I'm intrigued, Kelly. I have not been yet, but it was just, that's Mary's fun fact. <laughs> I'm going to do some research on this one. I That's, yeah, that is a new one for me. That, that not much. I'll send you some videos, Kelly. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty weird. I have to say. <laughs> so. What's the best piece of uh, professional advice that you've received? I don't know. I could tell you who it came from, but I probably couldn't tell you what it is. You know, I, if I were probably had to translate a lot of the advice that I've gotten, it's probably dumbed down to you do you, right? Um, you know, meaning that, um, you know, as a producer, there's no roadmap. There's no, this is how you produce an event, right? And that's what makes every producer different. That's what makes great producers. That's what, you know, causes, you know, learning things. And I think um, as long as you, you know, are confident and, you know, you can, you know, you have an idea of what you want things to look like and how things to go. I think, you know, if you do you and you do what your, your best intuition and you're, you're most confident in doing, you're going to succeed. You know what I mean? And, or people are going to notice that, you know, you're doing something different. Um, but this is not a cookie cutter industry. Um, and it, and that's the best thing about it, right? Everybody loves those moments and people that don't love sports. I'm like, you don't have to love the X's and O's follow the stories. It's one of the most beautiful things that we have in life. Sports is just such a, a great thing for, um, you know, mentally and socially and emotionally. And, um, you know, and, and as producers, we get to create those moments, but um, you don't do it by following a cookie cutter recipe. You, you do by creating those moments out of, you know, what your gut's telling you to do and, and, you know, what you, you know, your experience and your confidence is telling you to do. So in, in shortened terms, um, that's probably what's been instilled in me and which is why I kind of am a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a loose producer is, you know, I've just kind of always, you know, done what I've wanted to do and people have let me. And that was probably one of the most thankful things that, that I think um, from all my mentors and people that I've worked for, they've never handcuffed me. And, and I would just encourage people to, you know, you be you and, and you, you know, do whatever you feels right. And, you know, it's, it's a fun industry if you let it be for sure. I've loved to inject some of the fun from sports into other events I've done. I will say one of my favorite events I did that was not sports related. And last year was a virtual nonprofit graduation, virtual graduation. They said they wanted to have fun. And we did essentially a dance cam <laughs> in Zoom where I played DJ and made a like three minute mix with like 20 second clips of very popular dance songs. And we had plants just like I like was I was like, it's a sporting event. I need to have three plants that we can go to first who will start the dancing and then that'll loosen it up for everyone else. And it was like the highlight of the event for attendees afterward. They had like the most fun, just, they were like, it actually made me smile. I got up and moved around. Like their cats got involved and like, it was, it was, <laughs> so, and I was like, it's something from sports to like shake up your normal routine of just, again, focusing on the fun. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. It reminds me of uh, an event that I did. It was for the volleyball federation, but it was their international um, or their, uh, their, it was their the Congress, which they have like every two years, which is like 450 you know, federation leaders that come in and they do all the voting and all that kind of stuff. And I've been to a couple of them now. And the first one I was like, oh, we got to spruce this up. So I'm like, we're going to, and half of the people are falling asleep. I'm like, that's it. We're putting them on camera. We're going to do a sleep cam. We're going to call them out. You know, we're going to, you know, all that stuff. And we did, we did the monster block. We had special lighting and this is it just like a normal run of the mill kind of boring conference. But you, you had it right on the head, Logan. Like wherever you can pull these skills and, and make a, make yourself and your event the life of the party, do it. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. 
Yeah, it was it was very fun. I now again I tell most people I was like we got to do other fun things like that. But um, I know that we've I, we could keep talking to you forever. I feel like I have so many more questions. But before we uh, wrap up, is there anything else you want to add about your experience in sports presentation in the U.S. abroad? Anything we didn't oh. get to? I mean, not off the top of my head. I mean, it's funny. The more I talk, the more I forget about stories and things or whatever because it's you know, my, my memory is like that of a P these days, but, um, you know, and I've also been doing this for so long, but I, I, I it's funny, the more people don't know what I do and I explain it, the stories that I think about that I haven't thought about in a while are, um, you know, pretty fun, but, um, yeah, off the top of my head right now though, no, but, um, you know, uh, I do appreciate the opportunity. This has been so much fun. Yeah. We've loved having you. Um, I feel like I want to end with our sentence finishers if we can, um, I'll go first with the first one. So Kelly, if I had more hours in the day, I would sleep. <laughs> I feel like we need to have a running tally because that is a popular Wait, answer. Like 90% the answer. Yes. When, yeah. And I hear you. I agree. <laughs> so, absolutely. <laughs> what about your favorite productivity tool is? Post-it notes. The and the computer post-it notes. The, the digital ones that go on your, um, your desktop. Those are my my Bible. Love it. I was like, paper post-it. That's also very high-tech, you know? We not environmentally friendly, so I no. do the digital kind. <laughs> nice. Um, something you're looking forward to this year, whether business or personal is? I kind of got the derby in two weeks. It's all my brain is focused on, and I love it so much. So um, there's that. And personal, a summer not being in a bubble. I spent 80 days in a bubble last year, so I am looking forward to a summer not in some kind of sports bubble. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, before we let you go, Kelly, where can listeners find you? Um, I'm not a huge social media person only because, you know, you all know what Zoom fatigue is and the hours that we work. So the last thing I do is kind of go down the social media rabbit hole. But I am on Instagram. Um, I think, Logan, you have all the information. Um, I'm Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, but you're not you're going to find most things on there are things that are I'm tagged in. Not that I really post, but you can still see a lot of places I've been around the world. So. Um, yeah, or, you know, whatever events Van Wagner's at, we've, we've got a lot of them. So, um, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kelly. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. I think that time is now for our bonus tip, which Mary, it's coming from you this week. Yes, definitely. Our bonus tip is once again from a fresh experience. Um, Logan and I recently had an event debrief for an event that we were involved in, and it just made me think, that once again, when you are finishing your event, take the time to, to debrief it yourself just for a moment, like right after you're done, before you forget everything <laughs> or you want to forget everything. So just take that moment to write down any positives and any learnings so that when you actually have your official debrief, you are ready to go and don't have to try to remember everything. This is also a quick shout out to the template that we have given out for the post-event wrap report. Feel free to email us at bettereventspod at gmail.com if you would like that template as well. But that's a good place where you could just brain dump a bunch of stuff so that you're ready for your debrief as well. So that's our bonus tip for today. That's amazing, Mary. I always say that's like a gift to future you, especially if it's an event that's going to repeat. Get, do it while it's current and future you will thank you for all your help try rather than trying to remember it a year later. But that brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you guys for listening and we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday. Thanks everybody.